Hello and welcome to Love Thy Lawyer, where we talk to real lawyers about their lives in and out of the practice of law, how they got to be lawyers, and what their experience has been. I'm Lewis Goodman, the host of the show, and yes, I'm a lawyer. Nobody's perfect. She has tried every type of criminal case under the sun, felonies, misdemeanors, juvenile cases, in addition to countless preliminary hearings. She's also been assigned to white-collar specialty cases, including insurance, medical, and real estate fraud. In her current assignment, she is dealing with post-conviction reviews, including DA discretionary resentencing and parole hearings. She has published articles for the California District Attorneys Association and presented at CDAA fraud prosecution conferences. And perhaps most importantly, she is a part-time fifth grade school teacher. Erin Loback, welcome to Love Thy Lawyer. Thank you for having me, Lewis. Well, it's great to have you. Always interested in talking to someone who is in court and who tries cases. And in your case, you're doing that from the prosecution side. Where exactly are you located right now? Right now, I am at home in San Francisco, where I've been working for about seven months now. So pretty much you've been working from home rather than from going into the DA's office? I have. And, you know, that includes going to court from home, too. The Blue Jeans remote court system that they have set up is actually working pretty well. And because the kinds of cases I handle, we don't have usually don't have witnesses that are coming in. It's just attorneys and the judge. And if we don't have a waiver of the defendant's appearance, they're also appearing from video, either from prison or from the jails. We're able to do it all over the computer, which I never, ever could have imagined would be the case. Yeah, I found it's working out pretty well, too, a lot better than I thought it would ever work. I'm I'm frankly kind of in, enjoying it, and I think going forward, the courts and your office, my colleagues, I think really need to think about using more of this kind of technology for court appearances that don't require litigation. Yeah, it's also a lot more efficient. I mean, I just, I feel like my days used to be spent waiting around in court in the morning for my case to get called. And, you know, sometimes that's the good kind of waiting around where you're sitting in chambers with other attorneys and the judge. And those were some of my favorite parts of the day. But there also is just the waiting around when you're really just sitting there waiting. And it's really efficient (laughs) on the computer. There is no sitting around and waiting. And so what used to be, you know, getting three cases called would take an hour, an hour and a half. Sometimes I'm done in a half an hour. So while I miss the camaraderie part of it, it's actually really efficient. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Scottsdale, Arizona. And where'd you go to school? I went to uh, middle school and high school at a little school called Phoenix Country Day School. How was that experience? Academically, it was absolutely outstanding. I had amazing teachers. I felt like I was very academically well-prepared for college. When you left Phoenix Country Day, where'd you go to college? I went to Dartmouth in Hanover, New Hampshire. Well, that's certainly a difference in weather, if nothing else. Yes, definitely. What did you think about going 
to Dartmouth. I mean, being that far away and and also being in a real winter. You know, I really loved it. I wanted a college experience that was really different from what I'd already had. I think having the winter, you know, certainly added added to that. But I really wanted to go to school at a small place where everyone stayed on campus. I, I wasn't looking for a city experience in college. I wanted a like a small college town feel and Dartmouth really, really provided that. Yeah, I mean, Dartmouth is really classic. Do you know what Alpha Delta Phi is? I do. Why don't you uh, tell my listeners what Alpha, Alpha Delta Phi is? Well, that's a fraternity. I think there are some who would say the fraternity in the movie Animal House was was based on, on that fraternity. Was it? You know, when I was there, the Greek life was still really big, really big. I don't, I think it's changed. I think it's not quite such a focus, but that whether you were in a house or not, that's what everyone did on the weekend. Well, Dartmouth is known as the Ivy League party school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. So was that just because of you when you were there or were there other people involved in partying? No, it's not just because of me. I went through phases with that, you know, the some years more, more into it than, than others. And I, I was in a sorority. I wasn't in a national sorority. Dartmouth had its own local sororities, really just the same fraternity experience, except um, for the women. But I also, my big thing in college was the newspaper. And that almost felt like its own little subculture, own little fraternity there. And so that the, kind the, of became my, my social life focus too. The newspaper is called the Dartmouth. Is that right? That's right. America's oldest daily college newspaper. Yeah. So tell me about being the editor-in-chief of America's oldest college newspaper. It was so fun. It was just, I look back at the schedule that I kept during those years. And I don't know how I did it. I mean, with the, it was a daily newspaper. We sent it off to the press. We actually had this man named Don who came from the printing press and he would show up about one in the morning. And that's as we were starting to wrap things up a good night. We would be done by, by one a bad night. It would be two 30 or three and Don would be getting mad at us. And, you know, then you get up the next morning, everyone, you look around campus, everyone's reading the paper that you put together the night before and go to class, find some time to get some work done. But really it starts, you know, starts up right again the next morning. The year that I was there was, let's see, we had an online edition of the paper. It certainly wasn't daily. I think we updated it weekly. So we were still a paper newspaper. Now, in addition to the newspaper, you had a double major. So you were pretty serious in your academics as well. Yeah, you know, I was a Spanish literature and a neuropsychology major. And the way that that happened was I was taking a lot of classes in Spanish. I came in speaking pretty well already. And then I did a semester abroad in Spain and realized that I only had a couple classes left to actually have a, a double major. So that's how that came about. And the neuropsychology came about because I just, I couldn't find one subject where I could take enough classes that interested me. When did you start thinking about becoming a lawyer? High school mock trial. Really? 
Yeah. Okay. I I knew from from that early on. It was such a fun experience. We it was a little bit different than the the way they do it out here in California, but but similar. And it alternated. One year we'd have a criminal case and the next year we'd have a civil case. And the two years of my four years in high school where we had a criminal case, I just was so excited by it, wanted to be on the prosecution side. And even, you know, through all my years of of college, I knew that I wanted to go to law school and that's what I wanted to do. And then when I got to Hastings, I took a year off in between college and, and law school and just did various temp jobs that only further reinforced my desire to go to law school. But once I got to law school, that was in the fall of 2000. So there were a lot of people that I went to school with that had tried some sort of dot-com job and that hadn't gotten anywhere. And now they were in law school. And I was just amazed that it was months before I met anybody else who was interested in criminal law out of, you know, 400 something people in my class. And I, I, I just was so focused on the idea of criminal law that I didn't really think about all the other things that that lawyers do and that most lawyers don't practice in this area. Yeah, I I think that, you know, criminal law is kind of like what what people think of, like, oh, yeah, this is what lawyers do. They go to court. They, you know, put on cases. It's like law and order or Perry Mason or something. But, Mm -hmm. you know, most lawyers are, you know, they do transactional work. They do civil work. They are, they advise companies, you know, really very few lawyers do the kind of work that, that, that we do. Yeah. So when you went to Hastings, how did you decide that Hastings was where you wanted to go? Or how did you decide to apply to schools in California? So I had moved out here after college with an ex-boyfriend who had a finance job in San Francisco. And so I applied to local schools here, got into Hastings. And I, I really loved it. It was a good, it was a very good fit for me. It felt like that social high school experience I never had because I went to a small school and this felt like high school. It felt like high school. There was a, you know, there's a big locker room and, you know, the common areas where everyone hangs out and I was going out all the time. And it just was probably the social highlight of my, of my life. I know. I, I always called the place Hastings high because, yeah. you know, it, I mean, to me, it really reminded me of my high school, you know, like you say, you have a locker in the basement, you know, and you, you, you go home, but you come to school and you see your friends. It was, it was like high school. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that someone else has the same idea as me. Yeah. And I liked it too. I really liked Hastings. Yeah, I loved it. I just love being in school. I would go if there were something I wanted, I could think of that I wanted to study. I would go back to school in a heartbeat. I love taking tests. I love studying. I like being in class and raising my hand when I know the answer. I mean, this probably doesn't surprise many people who know me that that's kind of my personality. But I I loved every part of law school and 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 I loved the being in school part a lot. Yeah, I. I, I get that. And I can, I can see, I can see that with you as well. So what was your first job out of law school? Working with the Alameda County DA's office. I did their summer law clerk program. So right at the very beginning of my second year of law school, I 
applied. Well, actually, I've got to back up just a little bit more. So the summer after my first year of law school, I sent out letters to, I think it's 80. I think there are 80 judges, 80 something judges in the city of San Francisco between Superior Court, Appellate Court, Supreme Court, Federal Court. I sent out a letter to every single judge trying to find some sort of summer job, unpaid, just something to do, because I thought that being in the courts would be a great experience. And I got a call one day from someone named Kevin Ryan, who was then a Superior Court judge of San Francisco. After that, became the U.S. attorney for the Northern District of California. Before that, had been an Alameda County DA. And he said to me, I see you went to Dartmouth. I went to Dartmouth too. Come on in and talk to my clerk and let's figure out something for you to do this summer. Yeah. So he hired me. I had a job in the Hall of Justice. I had keys to the back hall. Every morning he would tell me what was happening in which courtroom and what was interesting to go watch. The only actual work I did all summer was help write a jury instruction. And I was just a professional court watcher all summer. And it was amazing. But so then when I applied to the Alameda County DA's office, I had worked for him who had previously been in the office. So that was my in. So I spent the next summer at the Alameda County DA's office and then they hired me after I graduated. And it's the only it's the only real job I've ever had. You know, that, that, you know, that's the only real job I've ever had either is working at the outlet. <laughs> right, right now you don't have a real job. Yeah. Uh, no, this isn't really. I mean, uh-huh. I, you know, working for yourself is working for yourself. It's not really a real job in, in, in any sense of the word. I, I, I don't think I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's real work, but it's not a real job. Yeah. Do you remember that time several years ago when, We had a a case together. I think it might have been a medical fraud case. And I came into your office so we could meet and talk about it. And you ended up teaching me about the the business aspect of running your own law office and the type of accounting you have to keep. And you were showing me ledgers and things. It was fascinating. (laughs) I was probably telling you never to leave the DA's office at the same time. I I think that's what I was left with. Like, oh, that seems like a lot of work. Yeah, it is. So tell me about your experience as a deputy DA. How long have you been there now? Uh, going on 17 years. Wow. Wow, that's yeah. great. Yeah. So when you first got there, how did how did that feel? How did that go? When I first started, it was right in a period of financial downturn. And I think it had been announced to the whole office, we're not hiring anyone this year. And then they did end up hiring a few of the the former summer law clerks. And the day that my then office mate and I showed up, we we were told, go to the Hayward courthouse. We get there. No one's expecting us. There's no office for us. And then it turns out the person who was our supervisor was on vacation. So that first day, we ended up covering 501, the misdemeanor calendar court there, without a clue what was going on. You know, that's one of those cases. There's like 50 cases, one of those calendars, there's like 50 cases on a day and it's arraignments and pretrials and pleas. And and we were just thrown right in. There were a couple of, of older public defenders who took us under their wing and, and explained what was going on and what was happening. But I, I felt like we were just kind of thrown thrown right in. Yeah, that sounds like sort of classic Alameda County from top to bottom. 
Yes. You've, you've been at the DA's office for 17 years. So obviously there's things that you really like about being a DA, about being a lawyer. What, what do you really, what do you really like about the, your, your career and your job? I think the thing that I like the most about it right now is something that would have never been in my mind at the time that I took it. Or when I look back at this young woman who just wanted to be a prosecutor. And I think that was because I, I kind of saw things in a black and white way. And I myself was a rule follower. And now the thing I love the most about it is, well, I work in an office that has embraced criminal justice reform. And I feel like I am in a position right now, especially in my current assignment, where I am helping to make changes from within. I feel very good about the work I'm doing every day. Well, can you be a little more specific about the work that you're doing these days? Yes. So I'm in our post-conviction review team. And so there are a couple different types of cases that I handle. The first, felony murder resentencings. So they changed the law almost two years ago now and essentially redefined what qualifies as murder in the state of California. And they opened it up so that anyone previously convicted under one of these theories of murder that is no longer a valid theory of murder, they can petition to the court, ask that their case be reviewed, and potentially be resentenced to something else. And so we've had almost 300 of those petitions come in. You know, there have been many of them that came through that getaway driver in a robbery who didn't even know that their co-defendant was armed who then shoots and kills someone, well, under the old law, that under the old felony murder rule, that person was not only on the hook for the robbery, they were on the hook for a murder that they could have never foreseen and didn't contribute to. It feels very good to see these people come forward in court, re- be resentenced to a robbery and released from prison. The other type of resentencing that I do are discretionary ones under yet another new law that allows the district attorney to review old cases and bring them to the court and ask the court to resentence someone in the interest of justice. So this comes into play, for example, old three strikes cases. You sound like the best defense attorney anybody could have. You know, it feels it, it. all my cases are in front of the same judge. And a lot of them have been with the same public defender who I would would argue was probably the nicest, smartest, most reasonable person in their entire office. And when we sit around and talk about these cases and are doing what seems like the fair and right thing every day, it just feels, it feels really good. It feels like we're all, all on the same team. It doesn't always have to be an adversarial process. Yeah. So it's kind of collaborative. I, I think you and I would agree, and we've talked about this before, you know, just kind of informally, that a lot of the criminal justice system could move in that direction effectively and with perhaps better results all around. Yes, I definitely agree with that. Would you recommend uh, law, criminal prosecution as a career choice to somebody coming out of college? I would. I would. But I would I would only do so for the right person. I don't know that I would recommend it for someone who had the mindset that I did going in, which was there's a right side of it and there's a wrong side of it. And the prosecutors on the right side, they wear the white hat. They always tell the truth and the defense attorneys, you can't believe them. And, and it's this adversarial system. I think someone coming in with that 
mindset, I would, I would discourage it because I don't think that's the right way to, to think about things. But I, I do think that I would recommend the world of criminal law and specifically prosecution for, for, you know, someone who's, who's interested and wants to help make change in how we treat people who have been accused of crimes, but at the same time, protecting the public and, and preserving the rights of victims. System with certain pre-existing notions. And then as we're in it for a while, those things tend to change. And yeah. 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 Do you think that the legal system is fair? I think I look at other states and I think maybe not so much, but I have a very hard time saying here in Alameda County where we work that it's not fair. I think that there are a lot of people trying very hard to make it fair. I know that you've written some articles for the uh, California District Attorneys Association publications. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? I can. Unfortunately, I became a little bit of an expert in the area of squatters law <laughs> several years ago when I handled a bunch of cases that that had to do with that. And this is, you know, more than just the typical trespassing cases, but trespassers who refuse to to leave and, you know, try to stake a legal claim to someone else's house. A lot of times the people that are engaged in that activity are they're actually trying to adversely possess the house. I learned more than I probably cared to know about it. Now you're a part-time fifth grade school teacher, and I assume <laughs> that's because you have some children who are involved in learning these days on the fifth grade level. That is correct. I have fifth grade twins who are remotely learning. They're here at home. That's one of the beautiful things about working from home. You know, we've got court at certain set times throughout the day. And then the rest of my work, I do a lot of writing, a lot of research, and that can happen at any time. So I've kind of adjusted my work schedule to have a chunk of time in the middle of the day to see. We've I just learned all the state capitals. We're doing a science lesson about uh, the earth and it, its position in space. So it's, but you know what, it's been really nice to have the extra time with my kids. How's the computer experience going for your kids? Mostly okay. Mostly okay. The teachers have done a pretty good job of making the work that they're doing meaningful and not just, here's a math worksheet since we're not in class, go do this. But, you know, they they obviously miss being in school very, very much. They go to the park every afternoon where they run around outside. So they're still social and seeing people, but we're making it work. What sort of um, recreational pursuits do you like? And, you know, sort of work-life balance things. What sort of things do you or you and your family do? I really like to cook. I really like to watch television. And I really like to go on long walks. And I like to do all of those things by myself. I, I enjoy my, my kids, you know, like to help out in the kitchen sometimes. And that's really fun. But that's my my time to myself. I like to listen to podcasts and I wear headphones and nobody bothers me. And I go for, you know, a three mile walk pretty much every day. And that brings me great enjoyment when I'm at when I'm at work. I enjoy 
taking a, a break at lunchtime to walk around Lake Merritt right outside the courthouse. What if you came into some real money, a few billion dollars? What, if anything, would you change in the way you live your life? I don't know that much would change in the way I live my life, but I would want to use that money. You know, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably get a new roof right away and do, you know, some repairs around the house and probably get a new car because I've been driving the same one for 10 years. But then I think I'd want to use it for a big, like a big social experiment, like an Andrew Yang type universal basic income and, and do an actual as best as possible when, you know, it's hard when you're using people as your subjects, but, but really try to see if, if that leads to better outcomes than the way we're doing things now. Let's say you had a magic wand and there was one thing in the world that you could change the legal world or otherwise anything. What would that be? Oh, that's a tough one. A magic wand. I don't know that this is actually fixable with a magic wand, but I think I would make every kid come to school ready to learn. You know what? I remember when I met you. Can I tell you the story of when I met you? Yeah. It was in Department 501 right at the beginning. I was a brand new DA. That's, you know, the misdemeanor calendar court. And you had a case probably a DUI or something. You came up and sat down next to me and you introduced yourself and you said, I used to be a DA. And I'd already learned that, well, yeah, all the defense attorneys used to be a DA, but you told me I used to be a DA. And then you said, let me give you a piece of advice. If you're ever pulled over by the cops for a DUI, take your DA business card, lick it, and stick it on your forehead. So the cop sees it immediately when he comes to your window. And I just remember thinking, first of all, you know, I'm such a rule follower, like, what? but that would never happen because I would never be driving drunk and that would never happen to me. And, and I just remember saying, yeah, well, they haven't given me business cards yet because I, you know, I think it was a year before I had business cards in the office, but that was the only thing I could think to say because I was just appalled by that, but it made you memorable. And, and I've enjoyed working with any opportunity I get to see you in court ever since. Well, that, that actually is a true story that, that, that some DA who was before me in the office actually did on the Bay Bridge. Really? Yeah. That's where that story comes from. The idea. What bad <laughs> advice. Oh, I'm glad you've never had to face that situation. No. Aaron Loback, uh, thank you so much for joining me today on Love Thy Lawyer. I really enjoyed talking to you, and I hope to see you soon when we can get the courts open again. It was great talking to you today, Lewis. And yes, I hope to see you in person sometime soon. That's it for today's episode of Love Thy Lawyer. Many thanks to my guests who have contributed their time and wisdom and make this show possible. Thanks, as always, to Joel Katz for music, Brian Matheson for technical support, and Tracy Harvey. I'm Lewis Goodman. cooking, eating, the thing I miss the most about my old life pre-COVID is restaurants. I've been very lucky that I 
appreciate good food. My family appreciates good food. My kids will eat virtually anything and love trying new things. 